0: entered the fuck pit with america's hungiest podcast the pod people i'm matisse van Rossum, and my family's always been in wheat i'm ben sheets and today i have a
1: lot to chew on
2: and i was not ready for that intro i was not i was not prepared honestly though anyway uh hello i'm cleveland mosier and it's nice to lobata meet you
0: Uh, hmm. Well, it's that time of year again. We are halfway through 2021. As hard as it is to believe. No, you did get it
2: because it was a double pun. Because it's labada. Yeah, and also no, meat. no, I got it. But <laughs> meat, meat's <laughs> important too. Yep.
0: No.
2: Yeah, it's it's two puns for the price of one.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Thank
2: you. So I just had to interrupt you just to Thank get that you for in there. It was really me important. To clarify yeah. your,
0: your double pun. Yeah, yeah. Your double pun-tandra. It's
2: important for the listeners.
0: Anyway, yeah, carry on. Carry on. <sighs> well. We've made it halfway through 2021, even though it still feels like we're in 2020 in a lot of ways. It's time for our mid-year catch-up this year. I am in the lead with predictions, so I have uh, curated this episode. We're going to be talking about uh, two films this evening and two films that make uh, an interesting double billing, I think, uh, sort of unintentionally, because we've got two films that are both cannibal horror films and also uh, are heavily 70s inspired. I think both of these films are. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking about Death Ranch and High. Honeydew. Uh, and let's just go ahead and get right into the first of those, um, which is Death Ranch, which is uh, written and directed by Charlie Steeds. And it stars DeAndre Teagle, Faith Monique, Travis Cutner, and Scott Skurlock. And uh, Death Ranch is sort of a modern day black exploitation film about, uh, but not
2: all modern day because it's set in the seventies.
0: Yes, yes, but uh, it is a black exploitation film in uh, style and spirit, uh, and period, and and, and period. Yep. Uh, it 's about a uh, a young black man who uh has just escaped from prison and uh his uh older brother and sister are hiding him out on their family 's uh old ranch uh in sort of the Tennessee hill country but what they don 't know is that the ranch has become the hunting ground for the Ku Klux Klan, but not just the regular Ku Klux Klan. Oh no, Ku Klux klan 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 Yeah. Uh, um, So they, they soon find themselves hunted by Klansmen who want to eat them and also fuck them.
2: But soon, the hunters very quickly become the hunted.
0: Yes, indeed. And it
2: rules.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, this is a a short and sweet uh, 77-minute film, uh, and it is uh, 70s in every sense of the word. In fact, if I were to put this on and not know that it came out in 2021, I would almost guess that it was uh, straight out of the 70s.
2: I think one factor that might uh, clue you in to it being a modern-made film would be the score um, now the score is very seventies influenced, like don't get me wrong, and there are many tracks that do feel right out of the seventies. It does a fantastic job of that. But it also likes to sprinkle in like some modern electronic packages, you know, like you get the like the, the crazy like disastery kind of sounds and such like scattered throughout as well, which I thought added a little extra zhuzh and impact to the soundtrack and uh,
1: I felt like the soundtrack felt pretty authentic to a lot of those seventies exploitation movies. Um, including corny synth stuff and stuff like that. In fact, I think this is like one of the best cases of black exploitation revivalism that we've gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like we've gotten that in like Black Dynamite, for example. Oh, but Black yeah. Dynamite is much more tongue-in-cheek. In yeah, a lot of ways,
0: it's a it's sort of parodying. Yeah, uh, black exploitation. Where this feels like
1: more of a straight uh, return to kind form. Of revivalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and for that, I think it works. And a lot of the shortcomings, I think this film has, especially in acting yes. and budget, yes, work for me because it fits that kind of yeah. black exploitation, low budget ethos. I yes. was thinking
2: the same thing. Absolutely agree. Like, I think if you're not as familiar with the genre, uh, it might throw you off at first, like the sort of stilted acting. At times, but I I felt it was by design. I felt like it was it was them like trying to do like kind of like poor like low budget acting of the era. Whether like, or not I, it I was, was by
0: design, it definitely fits the tone of the film. That being said, like I do still think that in a lot of ways those things are at least for me still kind of shortcomings. Um, it is kind of hard to care about the characters when the acting is so bad. Not to say that this is really a character driven film by any. Means, but uh, there's there's definitely some I think kind of exhausting dialogue yeah. sequences that I wished were <laughs> either
2: shorter or just absent. Yeah, like right sure, well, into the first act, it was um, I think the most like. Uh, Egregious or grievous, I guess. Not even that bad. There's one scene with the brother and the sister. Um, This this come after like two other like dialogue sequences that goes on for a good while, where they're talking about you know why he was off in prison and family whatnot. And it just it goes on for a good few minutes.
0: The older brother is particularly bad, I think. But Uh, I
2: found him to be like charmingly bad. The sister uh, really won me over by the end of the film, but earlier on, like. Because you know, she her... gets
0: a taste of the action later, unlike yes. the, uh, the the older brother who mm. is the first to be killed off. And
1: she's great for um, it, too.
0: She gets some, some redemption, mm. uh, which is nice. You
1: have a really good point about kind of the shortcomings of the first section of the movie when they're introducing the characters and mm-hmm. kind of setting up these connections, because the characters are shallow caricatures in this film, and that's what you want from a film like this. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so to give it too much time kind of
0: drags it on a little bit. It's weird, though, because it's already such a short movie. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not even a full hour and 20 minutes. So it's weird that a movie that short does feel like it kind of drags in the first act.
2: I feel like possibly a little bit of action or just... Some occurrence between like those like multiple dialogue scenes in a row like could have been yeah. nice because uh, there's just one transition of dialogue to the next for for a good while after you know the opening credits.
1: I'm surprised they didn't intercut that first lady who got kidnapped by the clan mm-hmm. in to kind of break that up a little bit.
0: Yeah, um, I, I definitely wanted to to jump to the action uh, a little bit sooner in in this movie because that's where that's where this film really shines.
2: Man, you know, like uh, yeah, like an additional sequence of her being kidnapped between some of those dialogue scenes would have really done it. Yeah. I think like that would have yeah. ramped, ramped things up a little bit. It would have kept it would us have on created some
0: tension because yeah. like I think that I think that the first the first act is pretty heavily devoid of tension. Like there's a little bit of character tension between the older and younger brother but it's not particularly interesting because especially the older brother is not a very good actor so like it doesn't feel tense to me it's just like they're reading lines that are supposed to create tension uh but doing so kind of flatly so i think that if they had intercut that with the other woman getting kidnapped or seeing some of the clan stuff sooner then i think that would have helped pick up the pace a little bit well Um, because once the clan stuff
1: gets going the movie really picks up and it becomes very fun yeah extremely fun and i i mentioned this while we were watching the movie but like Klansmen are, like, perfect exploitation villains because, A, like, instantly hateable characters, and B, like, they're all in white, full outfits, so you can hide cheap prosthetics under them and cheap gore, and the the blood will show up on the white suits. It's just... A no-brainer, obviously. It works so well.
0: It's true, yeah. Much like Nazis, Klansmen make perfect villains because you don't have to do any kind of development to make them hateable. Yep. They're they're detestable by the nature of their existence. So you don't have to worry about like building a villain. It's just like, oh, here's some clansmen, and then on top of that, these ones are also cannibals. Why? Because cousin Delmar says that black people have always been food for white people. I guess. Yeah. Why not? Why <laughs> yeah, not? Cause, cause why not? Yeah. Like wanna wanna make these these villains even more villainous? Yeah. They also eat people. Sure. Why not? I don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fun. It was a fun extra element. It added to the camp factor a little bit. Oh yeah, like
2: the moment where one of the clansmen is explaining that was our as our protagonist is tied up, mm-hmm. and another clansman like comes into the the barn door like holding a severed arm, and the guy like walks over and just like tastes some blood off the arm. He's like, mm, yeah, good job, good job, Cletus. <laughs> yeah. <right>. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs>
2: Like God damn. Like it's just so many like little bits like that. I absolutely love seeing like in incompetency. It's just such a funny gimmick. You see it in Oh uh, Brother War thou and also Django Unchained, mm-hmm. uh as well. Like uh I mean Django Unchained, I think, is one of the best, like where you have Ride of the Valkyrie's like right afterwards, like
0: they do it in they're, the new. They're all complaining about their, their hoods. Yeah, that's right. In Red Dead Two. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And And, you know, like, it's kind of like a self-referential Ouroboros in this regard, but, like, I did see a lot of Tarantino references in this as well, which... What I mean by the Ouroboros is that, like, oh, yeah. Tarantino is referencing these kinds of black movies. Yeah, it's funny movies. because, like,
1: I'm sure Tarantino would love this movie. I'm sure,
0: yeah, if he, has, if he hasn't seen it, like, he definitely would. But they even do, like, the patented Tarantino trunk shot with the guns, except instead of the trunk, it's in, like, the barrel. But they put the camera yeah. down in there as they're pulling out the guns. And, you know, the same kind of deal with, like, using all of these, like, 70s funk pieces in the soundtrack and so stuff like that. Now, I do think there is a, a pretty uh, high competency uh, gap in terms of filmmaking between this and Tarantino. Like, I I wouldn't go so far as to say this is a Tarantino film. Yeah. Um,
2: but I found a lot of, like, the poor framing and other, like, moments to, to be, like, really charming. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, cin-
0: the cinematography is, like, straight out of the 70s mm. and these kinds of exploitation films. Lots of handheld, a lot of, like, punch-ins and stuff. Um, you know, very sort of frenetic editing, very utilitarian framing. It's never trying to be artsy at all. It's just set up the camera, do the shot, move on, you know? Mm -hmm. And
1: we'll talk about it a little more going on to the next one, but this was kind of the opposite of that movie, in that yes. this movie is completely unpretentious. This is very yes. straightforward.
0: <laughs> it's oh, the opposite very of Honeydew, is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very polar in that and sense.
1: very unpretentious in what it's doing. And I, I kind of love it for that, because I feel like it's so easy to get bogged down in the artsiness of movies mm-hmm. nowadays, and I, I kind of respect going in the opposite direction with that. And, like, even stuff that feels kind of haphazardly done in this movie feels authentic to the time and charming, like you said. Like, I think about the scene where the Klansmen are chasing our main character through the woods. Oh, yeah. And they're shot at night because they have (laughs) torches, and the torches will light them. But the main character doesn't have any light, so they were, like... We're not going to be able to see this guy, so we'll just shoot it day for night. But it looks completely different. Yeah, there's two different scenes. Cutting
0: back and forth, it's like this is just very obviously two completely different times of day yeah and locations but, and locations yeah. yeah well i mean they're both in the woods so you know like it could be the same place but one of them is like really dark lit only by torchlight and then the other one is like very obviously shot at either uh you know at twilight either dawn or dusk like mm-hmm. the sun is still up in some regard and just like to cut so sharply back and forth between the two uh it it feels very amateuristic uh i i'm assuming it's it's by design (laughs) but it was kind of funny it's like this is just two different times of day (laughs) but i find that charming i i think like again that's
1: very utilitarian in that like they probably had a limited shooting schedule Mm -hmm. and a limited budget and they were like how can we work around this?
0: Yeah. yeah, I bet this was a fun film to make. Uh, I, I imagine being on set would have been very enjoyable. Because, uh, like you said, it's totally unpretentious. It's it's completely uh, to the point. And also, uh, they got to do a lot of like really fun, gore, practical effects. There are uh, a lot of squibs in this movie. A lot of really nice blood bursts when people get shot. A Some, lot of stabbings and impalements. A lot of stabbings, yes. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Tons of shit like that. Stabbing with crowbar, with knife, with axe. It, it, it's a very penetrative film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: a, yeah. Lot of, a lot of just outright fatalities. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love film. the creativity
1: of the gore in this film, though. I Oh, yeah. You no, know, it's so easy to go into something like this and just have kind of lazy gore and kill sequences Mm -hmm. oh someone got stabbed oh someone got shot but this movie does not do that yeah, at all. They're
0: very creative with it, and it's got a high body count too. It's like there are a few different times in the movie where just some additional clans guys, clansmen, <laughs> show up. It's like okay, cool. So we have more people to kill and fun creative. Yeah, ways.
2: yeah. There's like no, n- no point do you need to ask why more clansmen are only just showing up now. It's great, like awesome. More, more lambs for the slaughter. Love it. Um, well, yeah, because like, moment-
0: one guy always escapes and runs off and gets some uh, some more people to come. <laughs> back and then eventually another guy will run off and you know bring more people back and it's mm-hmm. like okay cool i don't care like i don't i like i don't need to know who all these characters are i all the clansmen have like very generic like white trash hillbilly names they're all named like cletus and jeb and mm-hmm. joe bob <laughs> it's
2: great it's yeah. fucking great uh no the the moment where the film won me over was when our protagonist stabs his attacker in the eye and we get that incredible shot that's um like gore cam from the perspective of the villain as this chair leg has been like stabbed through his face so it's like sticking out the left side of the frame and you can tell that the person behind the camera is just like throwing bits like out just underneath Mm -hmm. the camera like at our main character implying like there's like gore just like spraying out of this guy's face and it is so funny it's yeah. so fun to, like, it just, like, tracking around. You're just hearing this, like, redneck screaming. And, and just, just kind of, like, goofily, like, throwing it up underneath the camera.
1: That whole sequence rules. The movie actually won me over right before that when our main character is tied up to the table. And the racist <laughs> uses a tiny lighter and uh, sets it up under our main character is balls but like really far under yeah, his balls yeah it's like
0: it's like a zippo it's like a zippo lighter and he sets it on a jar like under his balls but it's it's like a foot and a half away from his balls it's just like a tiny little lighter flame but it keeps cutting back and we see like smoke rising and like, and, like blood, blood dripping onto dripping the down zippo. Onto it. <laughs> It's like you would not be able to feel the heat off of that like even the heat from it at that distance. like not not even to speak of getting your fucking balls set on fire. Hey, maybe he just has like really
2: saggy grandpa balls.
0: Yeah, they hang real low.
2: Yeah. You you never know. A tube sock with some walnuts in it.
0: (laughs) One of my favorite creative kills, like, towards the end of the movie, is when one of the clansmen like, sticks his head through a hole that has been shot in the wall in between two boards. And I think the sister takes a crowbar and stabs through his head. So it gets stuck between the two boards and the clansmen on the other side pull him back and it rips his head off.
2: Yeah, like very easily, his head just comes right off.
0: Oh, yeah, with no effort whatsoever. (laughs) Like, it's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> I also love when uh the one of the other like the younger clansman I think his character's name is Gator uh because of course it is uh,
2: uh respect to the actor like growing his sideburns out to get the 70s look for the just yeah. for this little movie like. uh the
0: the sister uh like they've already pretty much maimed this dude at this point and the sister like very
2: much maimed him
0: takes uh takes an axe to to his balls and like pulls his balls out and like smushes them on his face and it's very obvious that they're just hard-boiled eggs. But you can see, like, the shell, like, crab-crunching oh, That's that my favorite is, part of like, the movie. The white chunks and everything. Yeah, it's, like, it's, 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 just, it's just obviously eggs. Yeah. Uh, and when they... Uh, another one where they um, The intestines Yeah, that that's what I'm talking about Where they uh, pull a dude's uh, intestines out And feed it to him And it the intestines just look like rope Dipped in marinara <laughs> sauce I'm like 90% sure It looks like
1: a wet towel almost <laughs> That they cut
0: up Yeah, it's like It does not have the texture Or uh, like the, the feel of intestines at all Like I'm 90% sure that it's rope Dipped mm-hmm. in, in pizza a sauce. And, and the
2: texture is really fun too. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's got yeah, kind of a weird look to it. Um, yeah, and then he makes him eat his own guts.
1: That yeah, and we fun. get some
2: practical
1: puke. Oh yeah, he bars. Yeah, yeah that's fun. that scene.
2: Yeah, yeah it's um,
1: there's a lot of fluids in this movie. Yes, and you love to see it, honestly. Well, and we'd be
0: we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fuck pit. Yeah, uh, well, that's
1: the movie at its sleaziest. But yes. I kind of appreciate that it avoided getting too sleazy. It gets nasty.
0: It gets really nasty, but it it, it fortunately uh stops before the rape. Yeah. Um because it's they they do have like a, a a rape dungeon that they call the fuck pit and they have the sister tied up down there and the brother like steals he steals the robes and hood of one of the clansmen that he's killed and puts it on and goes down into the fuck pit and um one of the guys who's like about to rape his sister is like being all nasty and stuff. And then the other guy's just like sitting in the corner, like rubbing his hands together, like a goblin, like a <laughs> goblin. But it's that that part is so fucking nasty because he's got like this big big tub of Vaseline. And there's like pubes in it. And and... it it takes a long time, like getting a big handful of it. A handful. And then spitting into it and like rubbing it around. And it's so disgusting. and so nasty. But thankfully it's right at that moment that our hero reveals himself and uh, blows their brains out.
1: I love the kind of reversal later on when instead of shooting him Outright, he shoots the Vaseline, and oh, it gets yeah, in his that's eyes. Right. Oh yeah, and uh, that's kind of a fun comeuppance from the earlier Vaseline scene.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's Chekhov's Vaseline. <laughs> there,
2: there are a few moments in this film where, and again, like uh, there, there's charm to it. But there are a few moments where our characters make like kind of oddly like. Unself-aware decisions in a scene. The key one is when they're in their car trying to escape, and they don't really drive anywhere. Oh, yeah. or like do anything. They just get, like, they just get
1: out of the car I guess the again. Car didn't start.
0: Is that what was supposed to be I think implied that's there? Because it's was so- supposed
1: to happen, but like. It wasn't very clear. No, uh, cuz it sounded like
0: it's so loud, that scene is so loud and there's so much music and shouting going on like you I-, I thought that I heard the car turn over, but I couldn't tell. And then it's like, yeah, then then they turn on well cuz after they they try to turn on the car, they turn on the headlights, which is why I thought that the car started up. And the clansmen are like in front of the car and they start like dumping gasoline on it. And we're all just sitting there like, run them over. Why aren't you running them over? Drive. And like, they literally just let the clansmen come around to the door and like open the doors and like drag them out. It's like, why didn't, what, what, why didn't you use your car? <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I, I think part of it is like they didn't really have the budget for like anyone to get like hit by the car or whatever. Oh, that, I guess r-
0: that takes no budget. That literally takes yeah. a mannequin that you put a clan hood on and throw some blood packs up under there. Yeah. Like there's like this movie is is fine showing just hard boiled eggs as balls. Like I wouldn't have been <laughs> yeah, upset. Yeah, I mean, if I, been a, I, I think
1: of like well, the, you know, uh, there's also the
2: possibility that the car was like you know, like, owned by... Somebody. This is a really nice But I think of, like,
1: Trauma and, like, Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Uh, and when they have a scene where they just run over some dude's head and it's just a watermelon. Yeah. and But you still get the crunch and the gore and stuff. They could have totally done that, but... We get plenty of creative kills, so I don't mind it too much, ultimately. Oh, no. Yeah, it um, moves
0: on quickly enough. It's fine. What did y'all think of the the like main clansman villain, uh, D- uh, Cousin Delmar? I thought he was okay. I thought he was all right. I want a little bit more from him. He gave me kind of like Michael Rooker vibes, but not as good as Michael Rooker. Yeah, he had that hodunk. vibe. Kind of a yeah. vibe to him. And um, he's you know, an older guy bald with like a, a salt and pepper goatee, so I did think that, that was funny after he shows up that they, they have like a five minute shootout like across the aisle in the barn. Like they never do a wide shot to show us like how close together they actually are, but we've seen that space other times in the movie, and it's like the distance from me to you right now, Ben. And it's like it just keeps cutting back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, it's so like, like five feet yeah and, and that that sequence goes on for multiple minutes of like the of like our our heroes in the like in the stable shooting like through the the boards and then like the the clansmen on the other side it's like yeah they're like five feet apart and they're shooting at each other for like three to five minutes without anybody <laughs> dying getting hit <laughs> I wonder yeah. if that was supposed to like intentionally. Well, I think one of the clansmen gets hit. Yeah, he does, but it takes it takes much longer than it should. Yeah, and like yeah, the definitely. other one who doesn't get hit is not even like ducking down to reload the shotgun. He's just standing up and like leaning over the stable like yeah. the whole time. <laughs> he would have been easily shot. Oh, yeah, I love the punch-ins. Uh, Hmm. they
1: have a ton of punch-ins in this movie, and they made me laugh every time. As I would expect in a movie like this. Oh,
2: and the the slowdowns. Like, all of the... Oh,
0: yeah, the artificial slow-mo. Yeah,
2: where, like, the frame rate just drops to null. Like, like that shit's funny every time.
0: That's the only other thing that, that I think is... Maybe indicative of this film not actually being a '70s film is I suspect it might have been shot on digital. This is the uh, the kind of film that I would absolutely want to be shot on film. I I
2: believe you're right. I believe it was shot on digital. The grain, the
0: grain looked artificial. Yeah, they slapped a little bit of '70s grain on it. It's well
2: enough hidden. Like it's not over baked. Like I would, I would take it as like possibly digital as opposed to like definitely like digital with a with a shitty like uh, like '70s filter. Also like the like there was one but the it was slow, like well enough hidden
0: the slow-mo sequences feel like when you slow down digital rather than when you slow down film and it's hard to is, say for sure the thing mm. is like
1: i get it you know Film's again expensive. utilitarian yeah. like low budget filmmaking you want to get coverage as much as possible but
0: i do kind of wish it was shot i mean if you're making a 70s black exploitation film it, like yeah. I, I think you're you're making a big mistake to not at shoot, least like, transfer it, yeah. it to digital yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean there's obviously it was shot on a low budget but like
1: very yeah
0: you put that budget towards towards celluloid as far as I'm concerned but you know say lovey, it's uh, it, it's fine. Do you guys have any other big points on this one or are we we ready to rate? No
2: kills fun soundtrack good. I love it, you know, the the opening theme. Uh they actually, you know, like got a singer for it and did a proper mm-hmm. like all well, the old school like Shaft, you know, <laughs> themes yep. and Superfly and all that. Like I now I really I really appreciated it. I um, loved
1: the one liners. Mm-hmm. The costumes that the were great. Get.
0: Oh yeah. yeah.
2: A missed opportunity. Uh they referenced it, uh, Disney World at the beginning and uh when the brothers dying, you know, I was really I was really expecting him to say like hey,
0: we're never gonna get to Disney World. Looks like I'm never gonna make it to Disney World. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like I was I was expecting that. Um uh but no, it doesn't really pay off but uh very I get that's that's not even a gripe. Loved it.
0: Why don't you slap a rating on there, Cleveland?
2: Oh uh, strong four. Maybe more, you know, like uh just the the first act it's a little slow and there are like 3 dialogue scenes that run a little over long all next to each other but man yeah what a what a hoot oh, I was laughing so much during that movie god
0: what about you Ben Yeah this is an easy
1: 4 out of 5 for me as well I think uh it's very charming and they do a lot with the small budget that they have and like the shortcomings it has feels authentic to a black exploitation And Exploitation Revival is a movie. I think if you kind of like those kind of movies, definitely check this out because you'll have a blast. Mm -hmm. And if you like, like, trauma movies even, check this out because you'll have a blast. I'm not normally
2: one for just having an absolute ball at gore movies. Um, I've actually been a little gored out lately after, like, all the Saw movies. Uh, after watching, you know, some you of those again. Only watched
0: three of them. That's yeah. enu- dude, that's
2: enough <laughs> for me, dude. Anyway, like I- I've been a little um little over it and this film won me over regardless largely because of like how like cheap but fun and comedic they are even if you might not be like the biggest gore person you're probably still going to have a pretty good laugh at this gore it's funny it's funny as shit
0: yeah it's cartoonish <laughs> yeah um yeah i i have i have few disagreements i i think i'm a little i'm slightly less hot on this um Just because for a film that's only 77 minutes, like, it should zip along from the get-go. And for 77 minutes, it feels more like 90 minutes because of the slow first act and the kind of flat, boring acting. Um, But, like, once it hits its stride, uh, yeah, it's it's a blast. And I, I very much appreciate that this film exists and it's nice to see a film that pays so much attention to detail in like sort of revitalizing or, or reviving rather um, a a genre from like 40 years ago, 40, 50 years ago. Um, So I'm going to give it a, a solid three and a half out of five and that will give death ranch, a average of 3.8 out of five. And now, moving on to our next film, again, I did not intend to do two cannibal flicks. Uh, it just kind of happened like that. Uh, it feels especially um, appropriate, considering that like, I love cannibal films uh, and, and noted as saying such on the podcast. But this next one is the brand-new film Honeydew, which is uh, written and directed by Devereaux Milburn, uh, are also another uh, writer-director on this movie, just like the last one. Um, and it stars Barbara Kingsley, Jamie Bradley, uh, Malin Barr, and Sawyer Spielberg, uh, who I did not realize until the film was almost over when Ben pointed out, is Steven Spielberg's son. Son of yeah, Spielberg. Nepotism, baby. Yeah. I I think this is, I think he has directed and produced a few other things, but I think this is his first, like, real acting gig, uh, because the trailer says introducing Sawyer Spielberg. I mean, I will say
2: in respect to nepotism, as roles to snag, if, like, you're the son of Steven Spielberg, go, I wouldn't necessarily see this as one of those, like, this is a fairly small art He's playing
1: an actor as an actor, and that's kind of self-indulgent in itself. I
2: mean, like, financially, though, like... um, um, and I then mean, indul- also- indulgent like like a r- relevant pick sure uh, but um well i was
1: looking at it and he's also been in like the post mm. which is a recent spielberg movie and a few other Spielbergs. Sure.
0: Well, at least this one is not uh, a Spielberg vehicle. Um, Steven Spielberg's name is nowhere on this, so even if he is an executive mm. producer or something, he's keeping his name off and of it.
2: I wouldn't have expected to either. This is not not anything no, like a I Steven Spielberg I film. I don't think
0: it is. It doesn't feel like that at all. No. Um, but I did think that, similarly to Death Ranch, this, this movie gave me lots of, like, 70s filmmaking vibes. The opposite is... End of the spectrum, it's not an exploitation film, but it does feel a lot like a sort of uh contemplative, slow burn, dread heavy seventies film. I mean,
1: aesthetically it has similarities. I feel like it's almost a deconstruction of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. the original.
2: It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre Retirement Edition. <laughs> and that rules i say that with love but it really it really yeah i think feels like the the retirement home version of oh, yeah, uh, texas chainsaw massacre <laughs>
0: It's much It's much slower. It's very slow. I would say that this movie crawls. I don't personally mind that because I found it so atmospheric and unsettling. Yeah, instead of
2: crawl, let's say wallow.
0: No, I think know? it crawls. I think like, it crawls. I think this movie
1: is way too slow. I think it crawls itself. I probably have a different opinion on this movie than you guys, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought this movie was... It felt very pretentious Williamsburg type of, like, film school senior with money <laughs> movie. And when it works, it works. Don't get me wrong. But, like, it doesn't really earn the sense of artsiness that it kind of tries to convey.
0: I I see where you're coming from. I don't wholly agree. Uh, I, I liked this movie a lot. Um, I I get... The kind of like film schoolish vibes that that you did, um, and I think this is uh, one of the first, if not the first, films by this this director. Mm-hmm. It does kind of have have that vibe, but honestly, like. It does like atmosphere and discomfort so well that I did not mind the slow pace. Like I really enjoyed sitting in it. Well, enjoy is maybe the wrong word. I thought I found most of this film like a very uncomfortable watch. You found it effective. It's funny yeah. because to me it bounced balanced
1: between intense dread and almost absurdist comedy. Like
0: I found a lot of At times. sequences in this movie very funny. I, I've, I I found myself laughing a few times too, but I think it, it was like it felt more like nervous laughter. For yeah,
2: me. I got the same kind of like off putting, like all near comedic feelings uh, watching Midsummer. Like the bear suit, you know, the bear suit is like is comedic out of context, mm. but in context, it's horrifying. And this film is largely the same. Like when we don't have the context behind like why these people are staring or shaking, like it's funny, but the revelation is horrifying and when it comes to like the style i will say it, it is with justification like like it does have to do with like the um uh what would you call it what's the 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 disease the uh
0: sortico, sordico sortico. yeah like yeah, when, yeah. When, it, when it
2: comes to like like the sortico having an effect on everything and everyone like there is like a psychedelic element to that and so it works You know, like, it is all done by design.
1: I wasn't really in love with the hallucinogenic sort of editing of this movie, to be honest. I think it kind of made the film feel more pretentious than sometimes it actually was, even. Mm Just because, like, from the get-go, you're jumping, really emphasizing, oh, this is an artsy film. And, like, it definitely feels... Ari Aster esque at times, but like, I I don't think it has the craftsmanship or artifice that like Ari Aster brings. Well, the I problem is, it's, I think it's, it it doesn't feel as compelling with its character.
0: I don't think it's it's quite the same level, but I I think that it's it's trying to do enough of its own thing. Like I I don't think that you're ever supposed to at least the vibe I got is like I don't think you're ever supposed to really connect with any of these characters. There's like. Uh, an extreme distance to everybody that I think really sets the the tone of like how uncomfortable everything in this movie is. Like it never, there's never. There's not even from the get go. Is there like a sense of like the normal that is then corrupted over the course of the film? Like it feels wrong from the very beginning, and I, I think that that's that's kind of unlike Ari Aster, where like there's always a sense of wrongness in his stuff, but there's also a, a point of connection with the characters that I don't think you get in this one, which is fine. I don't, I wasn't necessarily looking for it. Uh, I don't think any of the characters are particularly likable. Like our protagonists Sam and Riley are uh are pretty shitty to each other. Um so well
2: it's funny. When it comes to the editing, I was pretty exhausted by it at the beginning. Um I was eventually I think I kind of like fell into the lull of it. Um but it is very ADD. Yes. And that's what's so interesting about it is like the film is slow but the shots, the cuts are short, and often like any singular like piece of music, only lasts, you know, for like the span of a, like a single verse or chorus. Like we get very little tracks that last for an extended period of time. The title is really gratifying in this movie because it's finally like just sitting on a shot and like one piece of music. It's just constantly shifting and flitting back and forth, and I was. Thinking that that was by the end of the film going to play into some sort of like collective consciousness theme or something, but I, I didn't really ever get to pay off with that. All that just to say, like it was, it made it really hard to track, and there wasn't a lot going on, but it's very busy and uh distracting. Like it, it's constantly hopping from one idea to to the next. In yeah. the it beginning,
0: was, it is, but I think once they get into the the house. There are lots of like very prolonged takes of somebody just like sitting at the table and just like staring. Yes, but there's a the, lot of time before we get to the house.
1: of the soundtrack. Yeah, I think for sure. This for film sure. is definitely elevated by its soundtrack. The score is incredible. It is oh, it's fantastic! Strange and off kilter and kind of quirky. But not in like an obnoxious way necessarily. No, in an
0: unsettling way. Like a lot of it is like there's some there's some cool like sort of uh, almost like Twilight Zone like theremin kind of synthy stuff. But most of the score is like human vocalizations that are used in like really weird ways. Like the percussion sounds like when you like f- flick your cheek, like. Like that kind yeah, of shit. It's a lot of mouth sounds. Mouth sounds, and there are parts where, like, the percussion is like whispering and just like making sort of like wordless vocalizations,
2: whistling, whistling, whistling. and a and, and a squeaky trumpet.
0: And it's and it's relentless. It's through the whole fucking movie, and I I agree with you that I think it does a lot of the heavy lifting. Yes, I think
1: without the, it. This movie would be e- even slower, and <laughs> I, oh, oh, I hesitate to say there. more insufferable, but like oh, it, yeah, I, I the, 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 the soundtrack far. definitely carries it and elevates it to be much more interesting than I think it would be otherwise.
2: Mm. Visually, I really loved it. I loved the palette of this movie. Um,
0: that felt very seventies to me too. Yeah. Like, like lot, lots of yellows and oranges and earth tones. Yeah.
2: And the blues, like I love how TV screens and like TV light is used in this movie. Uh, yeah, there's
0: some weird stuff on the t v yeah, they
1: show oh, a lot of it's... Popeye and Betty Boop, and then there's that weird like sing along public accent yeah, yeah, it's like, like public weird, access, like yeah. Chuck
0: sing us the oldies or something like that it <laughs> yeah. feels that feels like a like a like a Tim and Eric yeah. bit almost. yeah, yeah, did
1: you guys ever watch Tim and Eric's bedtime stories? It was their horror series that they did um with like kind of an absurdist of tinge and like that felt very tim and yeah. eric bedtime stories
0: right there i liked that stuff in this a lot Me though too. like it's it you used the word absurdist earlier and i think that's a good a good word to describe a lot of this movie and i think that it is laughable at times because of that whether it feels like it's genuinely funny or like holding you hostage kind of funny i think depends on on the viewer but it's a super surreal
2: movie one of my favorite moments that encapsulates that is after a moment of dramatic tension upstairs we cut back downstairs to the television and there's an american flag waving and it's and there is this rendition of oh say can you see that is like really fucked and it's it is it's fucked in a particular way yeah, it's, Almost. it's blown out and then like glitched and it was like deeply unsettling and really well textured. Like it was, uh, there were a lot of, lot of neat, like, uh, like textures that sort of shifted yeah. and changed well, throughout it. And it was really fascinating. The whole idea that
1: is, you know, like in the seventies and eighties, like TV would end at a certain time and they would mm-hmm. play like an American flag kind of fanfare ending to the night of TV. Mm-hmm. And like that is really creepy, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, in context.
0: And, and you mentioned that, and there's a lot of like the the old lady, the evil old lady. You know, says at a certain point that she loves Christmas music, and there's a lot of times where there's like almost, oh yeah, it almost feels like uh like chip tune, not chip tune, but like MIDI renditions of like Christmas carols. On
1: like a warbling cassette oh, that that yeah. falls out of and timing. Yeah, and what's season. it called? Um and it's, okay, like, you like, can, like, can
0: never quite tell or you can, but it it, it sort of shifts oh, in right. and out of being non diegetic and diegetic in a way that I think is really interesting. Some of like it was... it'll start not it'll start non diegetically and then like it'll shift into diegetics. And uh, I I thought that was that was really unsettling. And also, like this movie is not set at Christmas time. There's no Christmas aesthetic to it at all. So to have like these weird like midi Christmas carols that play intermittently throughout the film is like that's really unsettling. I
2: have a couple of thoughts on that. One, this film has a lot of like kind of cool underlying themes about Americana. Mm -hmm. And one here is that, like, capitalistic element of um, Christmas being all year. It fuels, like, our economy, like, so much. You know, like, it's where we're seeing Christmas earlier and earlier throughout the year now, um, as we're told to buy for Christmas. And that has become, like, so deeply ingrained in our culture, you know, that we see it in this lady. And I particularly love it because in the score, like, you get it kind of subtly, like, shifted into some of the mouth sound track the mouth sound tracks where like the they might be s- humming like some really fucked up ver- rendition of like jingle bells or whatever um but it's always like worked into something else and gone like right when you're catching it uh which is which was nice like it never goes on too long but there's a few times too where i think it, it sounds like um maybe a uh like a you know like Christmas dolls or like you know like Christmas toys that make Christmas songs like being circuit bended Mm -hmm. so there might have been like some fun circuit bending there going on I don't know I like it too because one of the key moments where that's happening is when like the old lady is chasing them down so like it's almost like one of her themes is like like Christmas music coming in like it's, it's quite spooky I liked that about it and what I will also say about the frenetic editing is what sort of became clear to me by the end Oh, not clear to me but something that sort of came to my mind by the end uh, is that we're sort of seeing the whole film like as a recollection from them at this moment because we have uh, Goonie recollect, you know, like and he, he he gains himself back for a brief moment.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think... And what,
2: we, we sort of see the beginning of the film again.
0: What, and- what really like hammered it home for me is that like at one of the revelations, you know, towards the end of the film is that... Goonie, who is presented as the old lady's son, is not, you know, she's, he's actually one of the people that she and her husband have like kidnapped and are like harvesting meat from, but they lobotomize these people you know, to keep so to keep them alive so they can, like, slowly cut meat from them over the course of, you know, weeks and months and whatever, and it's like, once you get, like, the lobotomy aspect of it, it puts so much of the rest of the film, like, into context for me, because in a lot of ways, like, sort of the pacing of this film and, like, the the way that, Events are presented to you, like it almost feels like you're lobotomized. You know what I mean? This movie
2: made me feel lobotomized by the end. Yeah. It's
0: absolutely. very lethargic in yeah. a way. Yeah. yeah. Lethargic, but like in the sense that something is. It, it's like. You know when you're in a nightmare and you are trying to get away from something, but you move extremely slowly. You are trapped
2: within your own body. Like yeah, yeah. It, it,
0: it's like you you feel like you need. You're trying to run, but it's like you're you're like wading through mud or something like that. Like that's what this film feels like in a nutshell. Like it's. So, I think it captures
2: it really
0: well. I think I think so too. Like for me, for me, it works really well. I I can see. Uh, and, and we notice, like after the film's over, that this movie has like a uh, like a an audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes of like seventeen percent, and that makes perfect sense to me. If somebody said that th- this movie was boring to them, I would have a hard time like trying to argue. I think it just depends on like what you're keyed into and like what you like. It's it's a super fucking slow movie. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold um, it against anybody. I, I wouldn't hold. Yeah, I also wouldn't. Like if you're bored by this, I get it. It makes sense. Uh, I don't want to watch it
2: again anytime soon. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, it's it I think it requires some distance for me for mm. sure. If if there had
2: been more resolution by the end, maybe. I could see myself like wanting to return to it at some point soon. Well,
0: maybe less uh, bleak resolution. Yeah, that's the thing. It
1: yeah. has a resolution. It's just so fucking nihilistic and bleak. Yeah. yeah. Um can we talk about The surprise celebrity cameo?
0: Yeah, we absolutely can. I'll
2: leave that to you guys.
0: So, multiple times throughout this movie, (laughs) we see, like, this locked chest, this, like, locked box that multiple people, like, come upon, and they look in it and appear to be horrified, uh, but we don't see what's in it until later. And when we do finally learn what it is, this, this elderly couple... Who have uh, fallen on hard times because there was a, uh, a a sortico outbreak among the wheat, which is like a, a weird like wheat bacteria um, that makes livestock go mad and gangrenous, and can also affect people if it's cooked into bread and whatnot. They're being driven mad by this by this disease and as religious people they think that this is you know god testing them or a sign of the end times so hence what drives their their kidnapping people and uh you know farming them for meat uh but we learn that the first person they've done that to is their daughter (laughs) who is played by lena dunham in the most bizarre casting choice yes. of maybe any film I've seen this year she has no lines like she's she's been lobotomized and she's crazy and she's kept in this locked chest and her arms and legs have been amputated. Honestly, so like she just stares dumbly and like drools
1: and dribbles. I found the casting choice oddly hilarious and it yeah. kind of emphasized the Williamsburg kind of hipster vibe of this movie. And it made it feel more pretentious in a way. I, I oh, really? Okay, it, you know, I, like...
0: I, I disagree. I, I mean, I think the casting choice is fucking weird, uh, but I didn't think that Lena Dunham's presence made the movie more pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: really know who Lena Dunham is. Like, I've heard the name, like, thrown around. Don't uh, worry
0: about it, she sucks. Yeah,
2: I, I I've never really been curious to learn more about that sort of thing, but I felt like her presence was horrifying like i her character was pretty spooky like not knowing who she was like i think I, you're I honestly that she, better off she was her character I, was pretty like horrifying compelling
0: i have a hard time taking her seriously uh in that role because i kind of already just like as a person see her as like a drooling slobbering idiot so like it, it almost like the the role that she plays in this movie almost felt a little bit too on the nose for me <laughs> She is, honestly, the
1: ending is a fate worse than death. Forcibly yeah. having sex with Lena
0: Dunham, <laughs> with an armless, legless Lena Dunham. I mean, it's it's a pretty horrifying ending, regardless of who that is. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I I will say, like, I to get off, slightly off the Lena Dunham subject, uh, I I think that. Conceptually, this this film is interesting to like have this like sortico bacteria as like the 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 cause of like the slow madness. Um, I think. It's cliche at this point to be like, oh, you know, you start eating people meat and it drives you crazy or whatever because of the prions or, or, you know, like eating human meat drives you crazy like that for there to be like a different reason for the madness that like goes hand in hand with the cannibalism. Yeah, I thought Um, that was pretty unique and cool.
1: I kind of wish they would have escalated the psychedelic editing as the film went along mm-hmm. to kind of show that I don't know, fall into
0: madness of sorts. Yeah, it's I think it's tough because like the events of the film are over the course of like twelve hours or so. Like it's one night. Yeah. And like when the girlfriend Riley at the beginning is like watching the the YouTube video about like Sortico. It's talking about like You know, peasants in the Middle Ages, like, not realizing and, like, making bread out of the tainted wheat, and that, like, eating it, prolonged consumption, eating it over a long period of time, leads to, like, a slow insanity. And it's like, that's what's happened to, like, these people. We see them, like, being well into that, but it does kind of. Take away the opportunity to see our protagonist being driven mad because it's it's set over then such like a short period of yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do I do like the little sort of like. I mean, I, I think the film is, is heavy-handed in the sense that, like, by showing us that video at the beginning, we kind of know what the crux of the movie is going to be about. But I do like the little touches and stuff. Like, it, t- it took me a while to zero in on it, but the, the old ladies like, the tips of her fingers are black. Gangrenous. Because they're gangrenous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I thought like, that was great. I thought that was cool too because it's like we first really noticed or I first really noticed it like when she's cooking for them like once they've they've entered the house and she asks like do you like cardamom and she like points at her and is like oh her fingertips are black and I thought it was just like seasoning or something mm-hmm. for that she'd been cooking. It's like no it's gangrenous from the from the the sortico. Of
2: mm. Around the same time... Those
0: little touches are really nice. Yeah,
2: there's that... uh, Well, when we're first introduced to... We're first introduced to Goonie, and they Mm -hmm. walk into the kitchen thinking that there's only one person in the house. Right. And in the corner is this, like, large man, you know, with his, like, his face, like, wrapped, like, almost like he has the mumps, you know, like in a circular bandage, and he's catatonic,
0: and... Sucking on lemon wedges dipped in sugar. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and we get a shot of, uh, of... uh, there's a, it cuts to um, a photograph on the shelf of him as well, looking like yeah. also kind of confused, which w- without context is very funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like you're like, he's, he must be like a simpleton. You know, like it's a farmhouse, you know, that, that there's, well, a, there's a stereotype there. that is there. definitely
0: how he's presumed, and, because he's unresponsive whenever people try mm, to talk to him, and we see him have seizures multiple times. Yeah, and they yeah. talk about him getting kicked in
1: the head by a horse.
0: By
1: a bull, yeah. Yeah, by a bull. And, like, at first, you know, you just accept that reasoning. Yeah. And it's absurdist comedy.
0: Yeah, he's kind of like a, a big goofy, like Three Stooges esque character, almost, but like mm. creepy. Well, he's
2: drinking milk out of a, a really long <laughs> surgical tube straw. Mm. Yeah, like a like a super long, crazy straw, which is pretty goddamn funny and uh, a rad choice. Gets a lot of screen time. The yeah. the the milk. I really like that. There's the that scene ends with our couple like sitting at the table and the granny in the doorway and she says like something like say cheese or something along those lines. She does not say that but it's something like that.
0: Or she, no she doesn't even say Mm -hmm. anything. She walks in and just snaps a Polaroid and and the way, I thought the way that was edited was really nice because the second the camera flashes then it cuts to black and the power goes out or something. It doesn't, but like that's the impression.
2: And then she leads them downstairs Mm -hmm. and later on when our protagonists are lobotomized we get that wonderful cut back and we see their photograph as well sitting mm-hmm. next to that so we now piece, know yeah. that goonie you know had the same thing happen to him and that's why he looked so confused in that shot because yeah. you're just taking yeah. a photo of him without saying anything
0: that's what i find like so unique and horrifying about this movie conceptually is because like your your typical cannibal flicks something like texas chainsaw it's like you're kidnapped by the hillbillies, you know, they, they'll torture you, and then but then they'll just kill you, and they'll butcher you like a pig for your meat, or whatever. But, like, these people's madness is like, they think they're in a time of famine. So they're not killing you, they're lobotomizing you and slowly removing your limbs and, like, cutting pieces off of you to keep you alive so, you, so they have a steady source of food. But also, they treat them like they're their children. Yeah,
1: they'll quote unquote
0: adopt. Them. They adopt them, right? In in the Christian tradition, and you know, feed them, and that's why, like, she uses Lena Dunham at the end to to rape Sawyer Spielberg, is because she she says, like, at one point, like, we're still hoping for grandchildren, bring a little light to this dark world, and like that, like it's it's fucking horrifying yeah that's super bleak and nightmare it's it's truly a fate worse than death uh and like that's how the film ends too it's like they don't get away our protagonists end up lobotomized and captured and we see that sawyer spielberg has had his legs amputated and they both him and riley both have like the same head wrapping that goonie had because uh they've been cutting off their cheeks for those those tender cuts of meat, um, bad time, bad time, <laughs> bad time.
2: Yeah, it's pretty rough.
0: All right. Well, we can go ahead and rate this thing. I think we've uh, we've pretty much talked about it. Um, I can totally see this not being somebody's thing. It worked really well for me um i i thought it was really effective super atmospheric i i really appreciated the slow pacing and the time to like really wallow around and like drag yourself through the muck and the bad vibes um for me it's honestly this is one of my favorites of the year so far i think it's gonna be a strong four and a half out of five for me
2: Uh, strong four for me ditto much of that again i was pretty off-put at the beginning Uh, But it all brought me back around. I do also really like that the opening shot of the film is the same person as a young girl, like having to eat the meat. This has clearly been going on for a long time.
0: Well, I think it's supposed to be Lena Dunham's character younger. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm, Yeah, Yeah, as
2: a child, uh, like reading from the the biblical verses. Pretty heavy stuff and pretty mortifying if you think about it with with the context behind it that you don't have when you're first seeing it. So, yeah, yeah, this movie is all about context, uh, reverse context play. And I like that so yeah good good four, good, strong four um what a what a score
0: yeah, truly, what a score yeah i I think you
1: make a really good point, I feel like this film really clicks in the third act mm. in a really satisfying way. um, I do have problems with kind of the pretension <laughs> and the slow pace of the first two acts and the bulk of the movie. But once it clicks in place, it feels so satisfying and it's so bleak and just nihilistic and rough. And I I really respect that. I really like this film a lot. I'm going to give it a strong three and a half out of five, but still recommend it. I, I think it's not for everyone, obviously, but if you like slow burn movies or if you like you know, Hills Have Eyes or Texas Chainsaw. This is an interesting kind of deconstruction of those type it, of movies.
2: It's just bleak as shit. So uh, don't uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, make sure you Texas Chainsaw is also bleak, bleak
0: as shit. It's true, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I no, I would, I would agree. Like, I this is a big recommendation for me, but with the caveat, like, if you're gonna watch this movie be prepared to sit down and have a bad time for a little under two hours to be, to be uncomfortable for a little under two hours. Uh, but if you like that, then you should enjoy it. Uh, and it'll give uh, honeydew a average of four out of five pods. Um, next week, incidentally, It's my pick again. Um, So it will be a sort of unofficial second part of our mid-year catch-up because I'm going to be choosing another new movie, a movie that I'm uh, particularly excited about, having seen the trailer and thought that um, it would hopefully deserve its own episode. So next week, we're going to be talking about the new Ben Wheatley film, In the Earth. Um, looks spooky and uh, sort of uh, cosmic horror-y, so I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm super curious about it. Ben Wheatley is a, a
1: director that I'm very hit or miss with so far of the films I've seen. I loved Sightseers. I really didn't like
0: High Rise. I wasn't a huge fan I of High Rise Free either. I liked Freefall
1: quite a bit. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, the the trailer looks great, uh, so I'm hoping it lives up to the hype. So uh, tune back in next week to hear our thoughts on In the Earth. Now, lest we forget, the shelf. The shelf. It calls. The shelf to me. rattles.
2: The shelf calls to me. This week, uh, Pod People is brought to you by Holy shit! It's a
0: box full of hornets. Ah fuck. All right. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. But... You can also support us by becoming a uh, subscriber on our Patreon at patreon.com/podpeoplepod. We've got three different uh, support tiers that you can join. Uh, if you join the highest tier, the Honorary Pod Boy tier, you will be able to recommend movies for us to review on and the we'll, show.
2: We'll be so deeply moved, we'll cry some support tears.
0: Oh yeah. There we go. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter and at letterbox.com slash pod people pod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Uh, I... Forgot last week, and I almost forgot this week to give a shout out to uh, our honorary pod boys, uh, Sam Simon and Sarah Morris. Uh, and I'll take this opportunity to note that Pod Boy is a gender neutral title. Uh, so you can be a pod boy, whatever your gender. Uh, so we thank uh, Sam and Sarah. And if you want to join their ranks, once again, that's patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mister Sheets, and
2: I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios. We put out more progress on its stairs back. But tweeting some cool art for screenshots Saturday lately. You should go check out our Twitter, and uh, you could, of course, you can also check out the game on Steam and join our Discord via our website, LightArkStudio.com. Yeah, look at my art on ArtStation, and, art and uh, stay tuned for more cool Dread games uh, from Dread XP because I also work for them. Uh, yeah, the Spookware is is coming. Uh soon ish and it's gonna be really good. So be excited. Or not, you know, live <laughs> your dreams.
0: Well, we thank you to listening to our mid-year catch-up. We thank you for sticking with us through through this first half of the year. And, uh, you know, overall, I think there's been a lot of good stuff this year so far. Uh, Hopefully, the second half of the year will be as strong. And uh, come back next week to see what is uh, chilling deep down in the earth.